This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Today is Thursday. We're gonna, we have an audience in, good-looking audience today. Thank you guys for traveling in. It is one of the few cold days we have here in Dallas. It's always cold in our studio, but it's cold today outside. Thank you for um, making the trip in and uh, having a conversation. I have heard that what is on your mind today is hope, and good luck with that. Um, I actually have some good things to talk about today, some really hopeful things. I am, I am finding new reasons to hope um, at the same time because I'm a catastrophist. I am, you know, of course, keeping that side alive and well. Is, um, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something that I talked about on radio um, today because it is the ultimate answer of hope. What is going to save us? A man's not going to save us, right? God's going to save us. God's going to save us if we what? Turn to him. him. And not just turn to him. My kids have turned to me a lot. And then they had the sass mouth and it's like, that's not helping. That's not helping. Doing what your dad tells you to do is the answer. Especially if your dad has been there the whole time saying, that's going to hurt. Don't do that. That's going to hurt. Wow, that's going to hurt. Don't do that. I wouldn't recommend you do that. When they turn around and go, I'm going to do it anyway, and they get hurt, dad's always there. But maybe it's time to listen and do exactly what he says. And it's great because we don't have to really search very far to see what he says, okay? Today, this came from a phone call, aggravation of a phone call, of somebody who said to me, um, Glenn, I want to teach you something. And I said, I'm always into learning something, um, uh, but not necessarily about the difference between nationalism and globalism. Uh, He said, the problem is, is that we have a bunch of globalists. Well, that is the problem. We are being made and fashioned and on the road into a one world kind of community and government. We know that's not a conspiracy theory. People are open about that, that they would like to have a global government. We see what the IMF is doing. We see all of those things. So what is the way to fight that? Okay, localism, Um, sure. Uh, His point to me was to fight it with nationalism. We fight up and we stand up for America. I suggest to you that the answer is not to fight with localism or nationalism, but to fight with the Constitution. Because the nationalism is World War II was nothing more. There's, I'm convinced there was only one leader in the world at the time of World War II that really understood what World War II was about, and that was Winston Churchill. We didn't get it. He did. He knew that it was about socialism and communism. 
whether that is national socialism through fascism or communism, international socialism, it was all about socialism. Big state, either with the country's flag or the world's flag. He knew that. We didn't. We played and flirted with socialism, and we still are. It's the same thing that's going on now. The people over in Europe and the people here in America, we're all feeling the same thing. And what we're feeling is, wait a minute, there's some guys up at the top that aren't having to play by the same rules that we have to. If I did those things, I'd be in trouble. I'd go to jail. They get a pass or they get a bailout. And nobody says anything. Well, wait a minute, that's not the way it's supposed to work. Because we're all equal. We're all supposed to be equal. There's another thing that's going on. And that is, and it's worse in Europe. The EU, now in the Netherlands, if you fly the Norwegian flag on your front porch, we fly it all the time. We fly, no, not the Norwegian, we fly the American flag. That'd be weird for us, but we fly the American flag all the time. In Norway, it is now starting to um, be called racist and xenophobic if you're flying the nation's flag. The flag is now wrong. Why is that? Why are they doing that? Because they're trying to push everybody into the EU and make it all one. Today I read that in Oregon, and I grew up in Seattle, so I know because my grandfather in the early 1970s said, all these people who are too weird for California are moving up here and they're going to wreck it. <laughs> and they were, he was right. The people up there are too weird for California. And so um, they in, now in Oregon, in Portland, they have just passed a law, the city council, that said, if we deem, the city council, if we deem your company's salary for the CEO to be excessive, we're going to impose on you a 25% tax. Now, even if I believed that everybody's salary should be equal or in line or whatever, I'm going to decide that, not the city. I would be packing up my stuff, even if income inequality was my number one thing, I would be packing up my stuff and getting out of Portland because what are you going to do next? What else about companies bothers you? It's the road to socialism. It is the road to state-run companies. On the flip side, Donald Trump, carrier. We had a problem when he was picking, and, and, and picking winners and losers when it was Barack Obama. How many conservatives don't have a problem with it now? And the CEO of carrier said... The problem is the wages. Yes, I can get wages down in Mexico 80% less. But the bigger problem is people in America don't want a job on an assembly line putting together an air conditioner. The people down in Mexico, they want that job. We can't keep people trained in Indiana because they don't show up. They work for a while while they're looking for another job. And then we have, we're constantly training people. But in Mexico, we've got them for 20 years because they want those jobs. So what did the guy from Carrier said he was going to do? This is a CEO on record. He said, 
we appreciate the stimulus money. We appreciate the money from the, from the government. Um, but it's not going to save jobs because we're going to use those tax dollars because it would be wise for us as a business to invest it in automation. Now, what have we just done? We, we, we have just wasted all of this money. Those people's jobs are going to be lost anyway. We've just elongated the pain. It's not the government's place to do any of that. Has anybody built a house from scratch? Has anybody done that? Built it? I'm sorry. Yeah, years ago, right? Everybody, I, I've never built a house. Everybody I know who's built a house have said, oh, gosh, it is horrifying. Don't ever do it. <clears throat> what? Yeah, you finally get it? Okay. So um, I have remodeled a house. And so I'm, I'm going to be a little loose on how it actually works. But I think, generally speaking, this is how it works. The first thing you do is you meet with a planner or an architect. And they ask you really broad questions like, what are you going to use the house for? How are you going to use it? How old are your kids? You know, how many bedrooms? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to look like? And you're talking the big broad strokes at the beginning. I, you know, I, I live in a beautiful city. I want big panoramic views so I can see everything. I want a lot of glass. Or I live next to a garbage dump. I don't want a lot of glass. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I, I want it to feel like it's old or I want it to feel brand new modern. Okay. What do, you, what do you want the kitchen to be like? Well, this is where we all hang out anyway. I got to get rid of that stupid formal living room and the formal, you know, the formal dining room because we never use it. We just want it all, okay? They write all that down. You say to the architect, can you do that? Yes. And you sign, right? What is it supposed to be like? Then the next step is, after you get it and you're like, okay, that's it. That's what I want. Then you have to bring in the contractor. And then the contractor looks at the architect's drawings and the, architect, and the contractor says, you can't build it like that. It'll never happen. The architects don't know. We actually build these things. It's never going to be. And you, this is the baby's room. So you want it to be the baby's room? Well, yeah, no, we're calling it the baby's room. But I mean, the baby, by the time you finish it, won't be a baby anymore. <laughs> So it'll eventually be a craft room, but it's also got to be a 14-year-old boy's room. It might be the guest room. So, yeah, it's not exactly the baby's room. Okay. And by the way, after we sign our contract, there's a few things that you're not going to do. Has anybody ever read about uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and how he built houses? Frank Lloyd Wright, nightmare. He's a guy, if you've ever been to any of his houses or seen, they're very beautiful. I love them. I would never want to own one because everything's uncomfortable. I mean, the furniture is like, wow, that's beautiful. Don't want to sit in it. Um, and he was, he was such a perfectionist. And he let the land tell him what the house should be. Not the people, the land. And what he was feeling. And if you interfered with him at all, oh, you paid for it. One woman was having um, a house built by him, and she said, uh, Mr. Lloyd Wright, Mr. Wright, Mr. whatever, may I call you Frank? 
Um, what I really want is I own some art, and I only have one request. I want big walls that I can hang my art so I can look at it wherever I'm at. He said, oh, okay, that would be nice. She left, wasn't allowed into the property. When she, bought the, when she got to the house, he handed her the key, and there were no walls to hang art. None. Zero. He made sure there was no place she could hang her art because it was his way. And when she said, I only had one request, he said, oh, yeah, I built you a little room off to the side. Go in there. And what he did is he built one big room with stairs that let you go up into a balcony. And then he built easels into the center on the bottom floor. So you would have to go up the stairs around the balcony to look down at your art. Thanks, Frank. Thanks. So if you were going to hire somebody like Frank Lloyd Wright, you would want a list of the things you're not going to do. There are certain things, as the contractor, I know, you're going to say, look, they don't know what they're talking about. Whatever. But there's a few things you don't get to touch. Doesn't that sound reasonable? Is there anybody that would build a house differently than basically that way? Right? That's the way you do it. What's the idea? Great. What do I need to build it? And by the way, because I'm paying the bill, you're, you can do a lot of things, but you're never to do these things. That's, I've just described to you the founding of America. Three documents. The Declaration of Independence. What's it gonna, what do you want it to look like? How are you going to use it? What are you going to do? The Constitution. What's the framework? Okay, you got three branches of government. How does the president work? What does he do? What's the Supreme Court? What is he? And the third document. This one was 1776. This one was 1789, or seven. This one is uh, 1791, okay? Three separate things. It's almost like Frank Lloyd Wright started to get in and everybody was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know what you're going to do. I want this last bill, this Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights is not to describe what you, the people, because it's not, none of our documents say those people. It all says we, the people. So all these documents are written by us. So when we talk about you're not to touch these rights, it means the government, because we're the one, you, the government, not allowed to touch these rights. These rights are what they are. When I come back, I want to ask you, there's two kinds of rights that we base everything in our country on. Does anybody know what those two kinds of rights are? Natural rights. Natural rights. The other one? Religious. Kind of. I'll give it to you on that. Religious. It's nature's law and nature's God. And I want to explain those two. And then I want to show you what everybody misses and what the, where the real hope comes, what's going to save us, what will stop globalism, what will stop nationalism, what will stop racism, any of the isms that are bad. 
What will stop those things? I'll show you that when we come back. Okay, the two laws. Uh, and, and you find it, you find it spelled out at the very beginning. It's at the very beginning of the Declaration of Independence. It says, when in the course of human events, people want to separate, I'm paraphrasing, people want to separate themselves. Decency compels the parties to say, hey, this is why I want to break up with you. It's really not me. It is you this time. And it says, so when we want to dissolve the bands, the political bands that have bound us, um, and take our equal but separate stations, which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, okay? So, our equal but separate stations. First thing we have to understand, our founders were there saying to us, we humbly come to you and say, we're no better than the king. We're no better than England. We're no better than anybody else. We have an equal but separate station. And nature's God and nature's law entitle us to that. Now, why did they put both of those in there? This is really, really important because this all leads to the Constitution. Why do, why do we have nature's laws and nature's God in there. Anybody know? Second Amendment is nature's laws. Not nature's God. It's nature's law. Protect yourself. How is that nature's law? Because in Here, give, give her a microphone real quick. Go ahead, Melinda. In, um, like, the 5,000-year leap, um, they were talking specifically about when you are born... And when you're a mom, your, your natural instinct is to protect your young and protect. And for a government to come in and say... You can't do that. You can't do that. It's that, against nature. Yeah. It's you want to see nature. mama bear claws. Right. So if, if I am a robber and I go into a house and a mother is protecting her young and she takes out a gun and she shoots me, okay, and I die, in today's media... Mom is going to be rung through the ringer by at least half of the population. She shouldn't have had that gun. That poor kid was just trying to eat. She didn't know that he was whatever. Now, same scenario, except I'm going to replace mom with a bear and the house with a cave. Same guy goes in, stumbling into a cave, and he's like, look at a cute little baby bear. I'm going to go hug it. And mom rips that guy limb from limb. Does half the country say that bear had no right to... Everybody says, of course that was going to happen, right? Why? Because of nature's laws, okay? So natural law doesn't change. It doesn't change. It's in nature. Now, because we're not a bear, we're humans, and this is another reason why you came from monkeys. So you're really just a monkey. You're a balding monkey. The reason why people want to do that is because then only natural law applies. 
But the founder said there are two laws, nature's laws and the laws of nature's God. Notice he didn't say Christian. The laws of nature's God. We, and they did, looked at that as the scriptures. There are laws in there. Thou shalt not kill. Well, it actually says thou shalt not murder, but most people interpret it as thou shalt not kill. So they, I'm just using this as an example. You know you're in trouble for that one because does mom have a right to kill? Nature, no, no. Nature's God says thou shalt not kill. And and nowhere in the Bible does it specifically state that you can take a handgun. You know, they only had sticks when the Bible was written. So (laughs) Moses and all those, Isaiah, he couldn't have seen any of this stuff coming. He didn't know that you'd have a gun. No, nature's law says you can protect yourself. Nature's God says it better be protection. Thou shall not murder. Okay? There might be a a lion, nature's God, nature's laws, say it's the the strongest that is going to dominate everybody else. But nature's God says, no, no, no. You're above the animal kingdom. You don't do that. Okay? So that's why those two are in there. That's the framework. Remember, the Declaration of Independence is, what kind of house do you want? We're separating ourselves. We're going to build a new house. And because nature's God and nature's law say that we can be equal and separate from you. So then they say, the next paragraph is, here's what we want the house to look like. And the reason why is because we all think, we all believe, we, we all find these things self-evident. That all men are created equal. All men are created equal. And they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these, meaning there are more, are life, liberty, and property. Why did I put property there instead of pursuit of happiness? Yes. um, This goes straight to something. Go ahead, hand him a mic real quick. This goes to something that's written by a writer named Blackstone, where he talks about natural rights, and he lists about a dozen of these guys. And he lists life, liberty, property, and others. Why did they change it from property? Because this is the original Declaration of Independence says life, liberty, and property. Why did they change it? Because of the slavery. Why? They changed it from the slavery because they were for slavery? Well, no, because, well, the South said uh, we want, uh, to count the slaves as citizens. No, you're moving but, too but far ahead. Property. Yeah, you're moving too far ahead. You're going to the Constitution, but yeah. you're right okay. there, the last. Okay. It's property. These aren't people, because that says all men are created people. Well, the South was referring to the slaves as property, so they didn't want to put property in there because we're going to have the argument are they property or are they men? So they changed it to the pursuit of happiness. So there's a lot buried in there. And then, among them, life, liberty, and property. And to secure, they're really important, to secure these rights, what do you do? Government is instituted among men. That's that's it. We think that everybody is created equal. We think that there are certain rights, and among them are life, liberty, and property. And to secure just those, 
we're going to establish a government. And the job of the government is to secure those rights. And that government, it gets all of its powers from the consent of the governed, us. And that when any form of government becomes destructive to those ends, which ends? Which ends? Securing the rights, okay? When it stops securing those rights or starts usurping those rights, it, um, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish. Now, that's where everybody has left this off. We have people now say, burn it down. It doesn't work. Burn it down. Burn it down. But you have a right to burn it down. You have a right to abolish it. But you notice there's no period there. Remember, what are we as a people building? And they weren't egotistical enough to think that they knew exactly what it was. So they wanted to give everybody a chance. If you want to change it. In fact, Thomas Jefferson said, my gosh, we don't we don't have the right to speak for the unborn. How can we establish a government that works for us? But it may not work in 50 years. They may want to do something else. Great. So we have to put some things in where they can change it. But it specifically states you can abolish, if it becomes destructive to the rights, you can abolish it or change it and replace it with a new government laying its foundation and organizing its powers in such a form as to them shall see most likely as to be able to do the job to secure the rights. So anarchy is not a part of it. You can't just burn it down. What are you going to replace it with? That secures the rights. I bring this up because the Constitution and our system of government, our Constitution has been used by more countries than any Constitution in the history of the world. Well, then how come there's not a whole bunch of little Americas? Okay, you could say we're religious people. That's one of them. They don't have these two paragraphs. They have, see what, remember, what the Constitution is, that's when the contractor steps in and says, oh, okay, I can tell you how to build a government. I can tell, okay, I can tell you. But their government doesn't have the same dream. It doesn't, it doesn't have the same basis, the same stock. We believe all men are created equal, endowed by their creator. You say it's religious? Yes, because we find these things self-evident. And that's what we built. So the minute you divorce yourself from the Constitution, you can be any country you want with the same Constitution. Because once you divorce yourself from the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution is nothing but an engine. Now, do you want that engine to work a crane or work a Ferrari? It's an engine. It's a combustion engine. It'll do whatever you want. Want to run a submarine, an airplane, a tractor? The body is the Declaration of Independence. They say it's an old, dusty document. The, de- the, uh, the Constitution is no longer relevant. But if we're going to save the country, we have three documents. We have to link all three of them back together. We can't just follow the, de- or the Constitution. We have to follow 
the spirit of the Declaration of Independence. If you don't have that, and it's strange to argue that it plays no role, because what was Martin Luther King, what was, what was he saying? That America needed to live up to its, its standard of all men are created equal. It is time, he said, that America fulfills its promise and its ideals that all men are created equal. Well, that's not in the Constitution. That was the rallying cry to end slavery. All men are created equal. We all know that to be true. Well, that's not in the Constitution. Let me ask you this one last question. How old is the United States of America? What birthday are we up to? 240? You sure? You sure it's not 229? It's 240. Do the math. It's not 229? We all know it's 240. We all accept it. Every leftist, every liberal, every professor will say it's 240 years old. But if the Declaration of Independence is not a founding document, then we are 229 years old. This is the architectural plan. The second is the construction. And it has those seven points. There's a higher law. All men are created equal. Rights are for the creator. Government is just to secure the rights. It comes from the consent of the governed. You can abolish and change it, and you have to set up another one. What we believe, here's how to build it, and the third piece of the Bill of Rights. You cannot do these things because these rights, there's a lot of others, but these are sacred. Back in a minute. Mark. Raising young kids in this world, I'm always interested on how we can help kind of the millennial generation. And I think what you guys have done with Tommy is very impressive. I want to get your thoughts on how she's reaching that demographic, if you would, and, and helping us build the uh, generation of the future. She is um, um, definitely reaching the millennials. Uh, she is, her views, she has just been... Um, uh, named, I think, like the 16th most powerful person in news. She's beaten me by like six slots, and I think beaten Bill O'Reilly by five, and, um, and I'm happy for her. Um, she was an intern, um, and somebody said, why don't you do some videos? She's 24, I think. She's worked for us for two years now. Um, I disagree with her a lot. Um, I disagree with her approach a lot. But I don't believe I'm a libertarian. And I created this place to be a place for freedom of speech. Um, And uh, there has been one time, I think, that she was in trouble, maybe once, um, and it was because maybe, I, and I don't even remember, but it was like she, the, she was bordering on things that w- it wasn't exactly right. And the only thing was, you have to be right. You have to have your facts right. I don't agree with the way you're saying it, but half the country didn't believe, didn't agree with the way I'm saying things. Um, she is reaching people. 
Uh, and I'm thrilled for her. I'm thrilled for her. I think she has a, um, a very bright future. I would ask that you would pray for wisdom. I have often thought at 24 years old, I would have made her look tame. I would have made, if I would have had her access and, well, and her looks and everything else, I would have ripped faces off of people. Um, and I just hope that, I pray that she can continue to mature much faster without a beatdown that usually comes with somebody who's effective. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. So, who else? Stephen. So, going back to the analogy of using the Declaration of Independence as the architect mm-hmm. and the Constitution as a contractor, mm-hmm. there was already one contractor that was hired and then fired. That was the Articles of Confederation. Mm-hmm. What does that transition and reformation, if you will, uh, inform us about a process to reestablish a constitutional form of government now? Well, I don't think we... I really don't... I'm not one of the burn-it-down people. um, Only because, look how everybody cheered. We came, we saw, we killed Gaddafi. Uh Uh-huh. And that led to ISIS. And I was just hammered by somebody. You know, you were a conspiracy theory on a caliphate because you said it was going to be the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Yeah, I know. I was so crazy. The Muslim Brotherhood destabilized Egypt, which destabilized Libya, which then... Um, allowed uh, the destabilization of Syria, and it happened in Syria. Sorry, I got it so wrong. You didn't even think a caliphate was possible. Um, So I'm very leery about destabilization for a couple of reasons. One, that's bad. It's always bad. We're the only one in history where the guys who started the revolution... Finish the revolution. We have a happy ending. Usually they don't end happy. Um, the, the second thing is, if you want to, if, if you want to stay um, with jobs, the reason why we have jobs here is because we've always been stable. If we go into instability, uh, it won't be good. It just won't be good. We don't need to change it. We need to restore it. It's a restoration process. That's all it is. It's coming in. Have you ever have you ever had an old piece of furniture that you almost threw away? And then my mom used to do this. You take zip strip and you start stripping stuff away. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is a beautiful whatever. That's, that's what we need to do. And we, we just need to remember that stuff drips into your eyes. It will burn your eyes out. Um, so don't get it in your eyes while you're doing it. It's dangerous. Don't breathe too deeply. But restore it. Restore it. And that's not so hard. It's just we all have to, we all have to recognize how many layers of paint have to come off. We have to take it back to the bare wood. And right now, what's happening is people are talking about, oh, good, 
we can restore it. We're taking it back from Barack Obama. Repeal and replace. No, that's not restoration. That's peeling his paint off and then putting another paint. No, back to the bare wood. And we haven't done the bare wood in God only knows how long. God only knows how long. And to dismantle it's going to be difficult. But together, we can do anything. My dad told me before he was dying, um, he said, um, I said, Dad, what were the 60s like? You had to have been freaked out just as much as... And he said, son, nobody freaks out as much as you do. (laughs) And I said, but it was the same kind of feeling. when He said, yeah. He said, we thought this is over. He said, we just thought this... We saw the cities burning and we thought there's no way out. We see... You know, National Guards is on and being shot. We didn't know how we were going to end, but we made it. We made it. He said, I've seen a lot of things in my life, and I'm glad my time is up because I can't figure out how you guys are going to do it. But when I was a kid, we didn't have electricity. We didn't have running water in our house. He said, we had dirt floors for a long time. I didn't have shoes. He said, so it was a different world. And no time in my childhood, and really in my 20s, at no time did I go out at night and look up and go, yeah, someday we're going to go there. That was impossible. Impossible. But one guy had the balls to, say, to stand up in front of the American people and say, hey, I have an idea. Let's go there. <laughs> and within a decade, we did. We can solve anything. We have to be together. Back in a minute. Hello, Annette. Hello. Where do we begin? How do we back it up? How do we, how do we start to peel those layers off? We're, we're so deep, and I can look at somebody on the other side of the aisle, and we can find places where we agree. We agree that, that Washington, D.C. has got to change, that, that no, they, they should make those laws and then come home and live under mm-hmm. those laws that they make. How do we get, how do we peel back those layers? I think there's a couple of things, and you have to go back farther than that. Um, right now... I think Barack Obama is going to go down as the biggest missed opportunity, perhaps in all of human history, but definitely American history. Um, he, is, he is a guy who could have, he could have just buried so much and we could have risen up uh, if it didn't become about identity politics and, and you know, retribution. Um, um, right now we're in a place to where We're given the opportunity. Not a man. We are. We know how we felt in 2008 and in 2012. I was worse in 2012 than 2008. Because I believed in the American people. (laughs) I believed, oh, well, you know, there's just a few. And I don't know how that happened. But once they figure it out, no, then 2012, you're like, oh, my gosh, they're for the lies. They're for this. And now I'm watching the media all of a sudden care about lies again and not notice that they, that's new for them. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. So, I mean, it's bad. Um, 
But right now, right now, and maybe, perhaps, maybe, maybe he turns out to be a great president, but perhaps he doesn't, and it's going to scare people more and more and more, and they're going to get more and more like us, and we have to say not, see, I told you so, or, yeah, and we won! Don't do that, please. <laughs> Instead, go to people and say, I hear you. That's got to be scary, right? I mean, we're losing a lot, right? And it's going to be really hard to bite your tongue and go, I know, that's what it felt. Um, but connect with people because they are afraid. We know what that's like. Don't be like people were when they ignored us. Be what we wanted them to be. And then befriend them, love them, truly care about them, know that we need each other. This is not like I'm going to save you by changing your mind. It's, it's instead, I know when we can get past all of the politics, you believe those are self-evident too. We're not different. We've all been painted on so many times. We have so many layers of paint. Let's get her a microphone. So many layers of paint on us that we are still playing team colors. We got to get back here. And, and people will listen. The left will listen. The, the problem is, is holding the right in place. The right is moving. I can't take it anymore. People are like, Glenn Beck has changed. I haven't changed a bit. Society is going over the cliff, and I have, as my friend in Poland who saved Jewish people from Auschwitz said, don't go over the cliff with everyone else. Don't do it. Society is moving. We're not. Yes. Well, I was going to say is that's true, but a lot of the left have decided to unfriend the people who have voted for Trump. They've decided to not listen. Yeah. And a lot of us here have a higher power we'd listen to. Yeah. And not everybody on the left does. Yeah. And sometimes that's ridiculed. How can you speak to someone when their first reaction when they look at you, or you're either a conservative Jew, a conservative, you know, a politician, whatever, they don't because want to I, talk. Because I would, I would be honestly, I would have about seven people I could talk to if that were the case. Because of the people who have said it either to my face of my own tribe, said it to my face, said it behind my back, say it to be popular, whatever. It does, it's not about us. It's not about us. And, and you just said they won't listen. It's not the time to talk. So what do you do? Listen. Listen to them. Just sit and listen to them and say, that's got to be scary. I understand. You can relate to that because oh, yes. you just, you felt it. You may still feel it. Yes. So just listen to everything there is a season. The season right now is the season of listening. Back in a second. Before you start, tell me about yourself. Lydia Mann, I'm a children's writer from Plano, Texas. Great, children's writer. You, mm-hmm. Have you written anything published? Yes. Really? What are your books about? Um, they're fantasy for kids, sort of fourth through sixth grade. Um, you know, uh, sort of C.S. Lewis-like. Oh, cool. 
Cool. Very yeah. good. Thanks. All right. Will you give us a prayer? I would love to. Okay. Go ahead. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for this time to come together and to uh, to think about what's best for our country. Um, we thank you for the blessings that you pour into our lives every day. Help us to always be aware of them. And we thank you for Glenn and his staff and, and everybody at Mercury One and, and Mercury Studios. We just ask you to put your hand of blessing and protection on them. It's in Jesus' name we ask this prayer. Amen. Amen. From Dallas, good night, America. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 